Hey, you, put down the remote and put in your headphones. That's right. It's time for Raw and Real with C.J. Ripka, the show where all the stories are great. Eh, well, some of the stories are great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Raw and Real coming to you from the Saloon 7 Studios in Rapid City. Take it away, C.J. Hi there. I have a quick survey for you to fill out. It'll just take a second. Question one. What the f***? Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have these sacred stones. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... Broadcasting to a worldwide audience since 2014, you're about to experience raw and real. And now, here's your host, C.J. Ripka. Hey, what's going on, Raw and Real Nation? That's right, it's in time for a special episode of Raw and Real Live. I, I've been waiting on this interview for a month. I mean, literally a month. And I finally have it. We, 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 we got the gears all meshed up. They're all aligned. We're ready to rock and roll. Tonight's guest, I have a young, ass-kicking entrepreneur on with me by the name of Felix Hartman. Felix Thanks for coming Thanks on so the show, my man. Me on, CJ. Man, this is awesome, man. It's finally happening, and it's 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 taken a little bit to get here. I, I didn't know if I was going to actually make it on in time because, you know, I, you know, like I was telling you, I had to take my daughter out for dinner and all that kind of stuff. But you know, we made it work. Yeah, we're you know twenty minutes behind schedule, but you know what? I don't think I've ever been on Good. time when I've come on with Ron Real Live. It just doesn't happen. And since it's my show, I guess well, all thi- all things can be forgiven. So, All right, and it's, I mean, we're keeping it real, no editing. So, since 20 minutes late, happens in life. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's just the way we kind of roll with things. Sometimes it doesn't always happen right away. And that's kind of where I want to get started with, with talking to you because you are a young ass kicking entrepreneur. I mean, the things that you've, that, that I'm sure you've had a lot of ideas up to this point before you, before you actually stepped into where you are. Do you, but, you're coming in pretty early in the game. I mean, how old are you? I'm only 22 right now, but as you mentioned, I've had plenty of ideas that didn't go anywhere. So, what was that? Uh, what was that process like when you first got started? What, what did you first started uh, get interested in becoming an entrepreneur? I mean, I've been doing small entrepreneurial things ever since like early childhood. Um, but I got really serious about it. I would say about 2014. I know I started pick, I started taking entrepreneurship boot camps. I went to the startup weekend. Um, but actually, a friend dragged me to the startup weekend, which then I won. And then I went to the global startup battle, and I was like, "Wow, this is so awesome!" You know, I'm making all these things happen, and that really was a big shift for me. And then within the next 12 months, I was uh, I was involved in many different startups. I was consulting. I worked with conferences, so I basically immersed myself in the, you know, in the entrepreneurship scene in the ecosystem, and from then on, it just took off. I mean, when I say t- took off, it's more I got myself really involved. There wasn't any success early on. Um, it was more me getting experience, me building my network, um, and really just you know learning by doing. Because I'm not even a business major, so and I, I really believe just by my own story that you know you don't really learn business in college. Um, business is something that is picked up like in the field, you know, by working with businesses, by working with startups, by figuring out, you know, how can I market myself better? You know, I, I remember when I was 22 years old, I kept thinking to myself, man, I can't wait until I'm 30. So people will start taking me serious. 
And then then I got to 30 and I was like, man, I can't wait till I'm 40 so people can start taking me serious. But at 22, you've got the confidence and the drive and the ability to go out and make it happen. What was that? What was that shift like? What, what, what kind of mindset does that take at, at your age to be able just to come out and just start knocking it down? That's, and, and that's an awesome point because, um, I mean, I was born and raised in Germany. And I think that mindset is very predominant over there. You know, there's very little young entrepreneurship in Germany. But when I came to America, you know, I, you know, I grew up in the age and maybe that's just my generation. You know, we grew up with movies like The Social Network, you know, where you see Mark Zuckerberg um, creating his billion dollar company in college, you know. And beyond that, what helped me is I got involved in a lot of like ne millennial networking events. So I saw people younger than me, you know, crushing it, you know, really having million dollar companies or, um, you know, being celebrities or doing like all kinds of really cool things that made me realize, look, like, what am I waiting for? This kid's five years younger than me that have been on TV or have, you know, built massive companies, employees and like changing the world. So that, that excuse kind of went out the window, you know, because I was also I, I also grew up kind of with that mindset, you know, not as extreme, but I, w I was always thinking, you know, I've got time to like at least 30 to figure things out, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I guarantee you, even at 30, you don't have things figured out. Yeah. I, and, <laughs> it, and it doesn't happen unless you tackle it. Right. Exactly. No, I I was, uh, I remember when I was 14 years old and my mom used to ask me, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And everybody, you know, they want to be a fireman or they want to be, a, you know, whatever. I was always that I want to own a business. I didn't know what the word entrepreneur meant really at that time but i was like i want to i want to own a business and then when it came time to like start putting those eggs in the basket and start building that business, we didn't have the things the tools that that the new entrepreneurs have i mean you know facebook live didn't exist uh podcasts really didn't exist right I mean, things things that you can put yourself out there in a manner where you can really kind of blow up what kind of what kind of social media tools have you been really leveraging and using to to build your network? My biggest focus right now has been Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm, I want to get more active on Facebook as well. But what I've been noticing is that, um, especially with Instagram, people are consuming it at large amounts, and you can tell um, you can tell your story with little effort, but very eloquently in the in in a way. So, for example, every single day I post something like a dozen plus uh, Instagram stories where people literally watch like my day, like every single, every single day, they just follow me around, see what I do. And I don't even, there's nothing I have to stage. Cause I literally just show them like, Hey, I'm at work. Here's what I'm doing. Like, um, and a few days ago, I went through my, 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 my savings, basically my, my, the saves that's word. And I saw like, for example, Hey, there was a picture of back when I did the storyboards of the marketing video that was just published, you know? So my followers were able to see step-by-step step how all these things came along to like the, the early storyboards to, um, the actual finished product. So for me, uh, Instagram is definitely my favorite. That's where I have all my followers basically right now. And, uh, if Felix underscore Hartman, in case anybody wants to follow, but um, I really enjoy it just because I can show people the journey um, because as people say, pictures tell um, pictures say more than a thousand words. So I think Facebook has become quite a bit cluttered and Instagram is still doing a better job with that. And it's still more organized than a Snapchat. You know, and I, I'm glad you brought up Snapchat because I remember early on, I got on Instagram uh, fairly early, um, but I really didn't do a whole lot with it. So I didn't spend a, very much time on it. I think I've got maybe, maybe a couple hundred followers mm -hmm. on Instagram. And 
then Snapchat came around and it, where you could just kind of snap your story. I mean, after a while you'd snap your story and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of got into that. And then last year, Instagram announces, you know, their story, you know, Instagram stories. I thought, well, geez, this is going to cut a big hole in Snapchat. And I think it really has. I think a oh, lot that. of people have, have jumped from Snapchat even over into uh, Instagram and just started going full force with that. Definitely, especially as influencers too, um, because now with Snap, uh, Instagram has features like you know the swipe up, um, or at least you have a, your link in the bio. You know, with Snapchat, it's so hard to do anything that converts. You know, and it's not just about making sales, but even if I want to share a cool article with somebody, it's it's really hard with Snapchat. You know, I would have to maybe like create a Bitly that's really simple for people to memorize and then post it on the Snapchat. So. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Instagram has been really working hard on, you know, sure, they stole some of the ideas, um, but they've also innovated on them, made them better. And while Snapchat has been, aside from the filters, kind of stood still in time. Well, I don't think anything ever gets created without borrowing ideas, mm -hmm. at least a general uh, concept. And, well, you've you, this business that you've created, Fund This, that's, that's kind of a an innovated uh, innovation on top of a concept as well. Let's Absolutely. talk about that a little bit. For sure. So um, my company fund this and shout out to Anthony. He just commented earlier. He's my, the co-founder. Um, basically what fund this does is we wanted to disrupt the crowdfunding industry because crowdfunding has been around the way we know it for about 10 years. And since then it's been basically the exact same way. It's an online collection chart. It's platform where here you go, go raise some money. What Fundus does, it's an end-to-end -end platform where we basically help campaigns and innovators, creators, um, raise money for their ideas um, from the entire spectrum. We cover PR, we cover ads, we cover growth hacking, guerrilla marketing, anything you can imagine that goes into having a successful campaign. So I actually work one-on-one -on -one with all my projects to make them successful, and we put our own dollars into it. And the best thing is it comes at a zero dollar upfront cost. So the way we do this is by simply having an application slash invitation only. So we kind of hand select the best projects we see out there. And, you know, as we go along, we'll, we'll scale this up, but I think it will always be um, limited to a certain amount number of projects because I always want to maintain a quality over quantity um, type of business model. You know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because there, when you go to Kickstarter, you go to, um, was it GoFundMe or some of these mm -hmm. other platforms? You kind of get lost when you're when you're looking around. And if you if you're one of the people that are putting stuff up and you're not very good at marketing, you get lost in shuffle. And the yeah. fact that anybody ever finds you is is almost a miracle. So the fact that you're talking quality over quantity and hand selecting the the projects that you believe are going to be the most powerful projects, I think that's a, a, a absolutely amazing amazing plan. Yeah, because. Honestly, at first, we just said, hey, let's make a crowdfunding platform. And we're kind of trying different things, but it really, you know, the idea came to us when I was really working with people on the on the ground, like with campaigners, and I really figured out, figured out what are the, 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 the common issues and the common trials these people face. And the fact is, when, when you create a Kickstarter, um, you don't really get any eyes on your campaign from Kickstarter itself unless you hit, you know, a high percentage amount when the algorithm boosts you. And at the same time, you get probably two dozen emails from various campaign consultants and other people that charge you between $10,000 to $25,000 and want 10 to 35% of your campaign. So people will take every money you have left to your name. 
um, to help you succeed. Um, and that's not even guaranteed, you know? Um, so we really saw that there's a need for a demographic that has awesome ideas and inventions, but they don't know how to market it. No, and I, I've fallen into that trap before. I've, I've done that myself where mm-hmm. I had, I had, an, well, I have an amazing business idea, but I just don't have necessarily all the capital to get started with it. So I, I started a GoFundMe page and, and trying to, trying to get something going. Mm-hmm. I'm, I marketed the hell out of that thing for, for a month. Only to realize I was marketing a dead, uh, a dead project because they only give you so much time to really get started. And if you don't get started by that, that date, you're more or less just out of luck. It's just gone. And- right. And the, the, the interesting thing about it is also that, for example, right now, I'm already working with my projects that are launching March 15th. So, you know, when you work with us, it's not just, hey, you hit the launch button, we're going to pay for some ads. I'm actually working one-on-one on over a month of pre-launch, you know? So we make the plan so that basically everything is laid out and ready before you ever click the launch button. Because too many people go into crowdfunding, um, they hit the launch button, and then where's the money? You know, they hope for it to trickle in, or then they don't have an actual precise plan of like, now I execute this, now execute this. It's more like, I guess I better send out some messages here. I maybe should reach out to this blog over there. So we're really trying to create more of a science to it. So are there certain platforms that you found that are more successful to advertise on than others? Um, yes. I mean, the main platform to advertise on is Facebook. And the the validation of that was I talked, I had phone calls with basically every single of the major crafting consultant, in, um, consultant agencies and because I thought about making some partnerships with them. But the interesting thing is um, they talked a lot of trash about each other. And they basically told me what the other one does. Um, and they also told me how each of them kind of like fakes their numbers. They're like, oh, this agency actually doesn't didn't raise that much money. They just helped this big project for free to bump their numbers up. So it's funny how bad they talk about each other, but it, it kind of helped me in the long run. Um, because what it really boils down to is that basically I would say the top five to top 10 of these agencies, they don't do anything except for run Facebook ads. So then I was like, you know what? I don't need to pay $10,000 or, or $20,000 to some of these agencies from Facebook ads for me. Instead, I went out and like looked to hire some of the best Facebook marketers, hired them, and now we've been in-house. So so what's some of the biggest challenges that you and Anthony have faced during this during this uh, startup? Uh, I mean, it's been a long route. I mean, f- from the early days on, it's really finding what is the actual pain point in an industry, you know, because the initial Anthony basically came into us and said, Hey, I want to make a crowdfunding site. And initially it was like, okay, so we made building a crowdfunding site, but we, we pivoted a lot, you know, which thought what could be a pain point. One, the first thing we example was we created easy perks, kind of an automated um, perk system so that we actually produce things and set them out automatically. But it was very much limited to, for example, apparel. Then we tried it out and we figured out, Nobody really uses that. You know, nobody really needs, sends out apparel. They usually send out the actual product. Like, for example, if you do VR goggles, you send out your VR goggles. So that was a random pivot that wasn't really needed. So the bottom line is we tried a lot of things. We also thought about equity crowdfunding, which is still the plan for the next 6 to 12 months. Um, what kind of happened with equity crowdfunding is, is that since it's brand new, equity crowdfunding was just becoming legal with the Jobs Act in May. And we realized that there's a lot of red tape. You know, you, the SEC is really in your business and people are, you know, 
actual equity crowdfunding companies they're getting they're messing up right and left um so we didn't want to be part of that problem <laughs> instead what we thought is why don't we build a brand first so we're building this awesome crowdfunding brand via fund this with rewards based first building up a brand um getting some first customers and then we can expand into equity based crowdfunding and it also helps us because we're already building great relationships with creators because, say, if we do reward-based crowdfunding now for company A and have a great relationship, help them raise, let's say, $100,000, it's more than likely that in 6 to 12 months, they might be ready for a million-dollar equity raise. So what kind of niches are you guys focusing into? And that is something we're also leaving up to kind of, like guess, the, the lean startup model. Um, for our launch, we've literally got everything from gadgets to a movie to a musician to um, apparel brands to – I'm looking at the list as I'm looking away um, – to in-house gadgets to beach – like the, basically, we've got everything covered. Um, and from there on, we'll see, hey, what does – what performs really well? Uh, what doesn't perform really well? And kind of zero in on those sections. Um because I mean, I don't want to discriminate because basically on kicks on other crowdfunding platforms, um, technology does technology technology does really well. But um, the problem is that a huge quant the quantities of projects come from other types, um, while the amount of raised comes from technology. So um, I didn't want to discriminate for the launch. I just want to prove the concept, have a high success rate, and then we can always um, recruit different projects. So. Okay, now with with those different projects, how do you see how do you see a, the perfect plan working? If you were from start to finish, what's your vision of the perfect plan? Um, the perfect plan is so basically, I onboard the projects. Um, I get to know before I even you know before I recruit them, I actually get to know them all in person. So you know we have phone calls, video chats. If they're in Florida, we probably meet in person. I've met a lot of my uh, campaigners in person. And from there on, you know, I, I really want to understand the personal story. I want to understand um, what, why they did the product in the first place. Because some, some of our projects, they've previously tried themselves at Kickstarter and failed. But then I look at their stories and I realize, hey, you know, they just mocked themselves really wrong, poorly. Or they just didn't kind of, to use your name, you know, they didn't really get raw or they didn't really deal with it. You know, they try to be too too infomercially instead of giving the real reason of, you know, like why are they making this project? So um, the the ideal plan, I mean, for us, for my, my four pillars is really um, you got to uh, kill social media and social media is, is a twofold prop. You know, it's you and it's us and we cover the ads. So, you know, it's basically your network plus strangers will take care of the strangers. Um, the second prong is a pillar um, PR. You know, we cover that fully, but we'll also work um, with, you know, contacting blogs and stuff like that. So we do both the big scale media and the small scale media. Um, the third prong to like, you know, the perfect campaign um, is influencer marketing. You know, it's more important than ever um, because a lot of millennials especially make their purchase decisions simply based off is this famous person, this uh, person I follow um, purchasing this or is it recommending it, you know? Um, and it's funny because one of my interns, she's, you know, she's a college-age girl and she, I, t I set her to work on a project that's about women's shoes, basically. It's a, a new innovative sandal. And... I asked her, you know, what makes you buy something? And she said, well, if some of these Instagram models would recommend it, I'll probably check it out and buy it, you know? So I was like, all right, get me a list of the Instagram models that influence you and your friends. So we'll be reaching out to those. Um, so 
third prong definitely influencer marketing um and then the fourth prong is actual is growth hacking slash guerrilla marketing slash in person so everything from launch events to being really creative and out there and this really depends by per project by project this is something i can't formalize i really work with the project individually and see um what could we do that could maybe like create a viral video or what could we do to really get the word out there and harness actual crowds you know because crowdfunding doesn't have to be all online uh, to, just to give it a random example one of them is a, it's it's speech related so i'm like we're launching march 15th this is in the middle of spring break i'm living in i'm i live 30 minutes from fort lauderdale i'm i'm gonna go to fort lauderdale beach and i'm there's thousands of people at the beach potential customers so we'll do something with that you know so it's really thinking creative as well you know, you you mentioned personal stories. I think one of the hardest things for a lot of people to understand is how to create a personal story. Now, do you work them one-on-one -on -one to, to craft their personal stories? Or is it something that you just say, no, that's not going to work. Try it this way. So there's many parts to it. I mean, first of all, I, yes, I work with them personally. Like when I, I really want to listen at first, you know, I just ask a lot of questions, let them talk. Um, because a lot of things they tell me is not really what they would put on the campaign. So once they put up the campaigns, I would be suggesting like, hey, you know, don't you want to mention this part? Because I think, you know, that 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 was a huge selling point for me, you know, and the because one of the funny things is this one of the projects actually who didn't do that well on Kickstarter. Now, every single time somebody walks in my office and I pitch that project, like, oh, my God, where can I buy? It's like, wait up, wait up. You can get it with on Funthus, you know. So it's really about using those um, personal stories. So I'll be working with them as well as our publicists because they will be working on with on PR. So they'll be working one-on-one -on -one with the publicists as well to craft a press release, personal story, um, to really get something, um, you know, choosy out there. Man, okay, so right here I've got to take a break real quick. I got I got to pay my bills. And to pay my bills, I've got a sponsor that I've got to get out. So bear with me for one minute. We'll be right back. Hey there, Ron Real Nation. I just wanted to take a quick second to tell you about a public speaking training program called the 1000 Speakers Academy. It was created by my friend and past guest of Ron Rio, Manny Wolf, after he trained and worked with speakers from all over the world and noticed that with every great speaker, there were three things that they possessed that allowed them to captivate an audience. His system focuses on teaching you these three things, specifically how to use body language, voice, and storytelling to captivate your audience, whether you are in person or behind a mic just like me. It's hands down the most powerful public speaking training on the market, which is why I decided to do it myself. To learn more about the 1000 Speakers Academy, go to 1000speakersacademy.com or send questions to Manny at MannyWolf.com. I've got a ton of value out of it, and I know you will too. So check it out today. And you know, I I do get a lot of value out of it. And because I've been taking this course, I've actually got rid of a lot of the ahs and ums and erms and all that kind of stuff that happens when when I do a, a podcast or, or a live stream, things like that. And I got to tell you, that is probably one of the most beneficial courses that I've taken to date. Not saying that there aren't other beneficial courses out there. However, you need to get over to 1000 Speakers Academy. Check it out. If, if Trust me, if you don't think, like what you're seeing or what you hear, send me an email. Call me an idiot. That's fine. You know how I do things. It's that's. I'll take it. I'll accept it. I'll just run with it. But anyways, we're going to get back to our guest. I'll say a quick note too because yeah. Manny helped me out quite a bit when I went on podcast hunt. 
um, it, like I was looking for podcasts and Manny was really helpful. So great guy for sure. Yeah. Manny is a wonderful guy and a great guy to have in your corner. Cause he's always your biggest champion when you're trying to get stuff uh, pushed out. So um, I want to pivot a little bit here. Now um, you mentioned millennial purchasing and I want to touch base on that a little bit because a lot of businesses, and I'm not talking about just online businesses, but even uh, brick and mortar businesses, they're having a hard time understanding this new concept of millennial purchasing. Mm-hmm. And when you you touched on that, saying that you know they're very influenced by you know celebrity marketing things mm-hmm. like that, why do you think that is? I think it's because we're so tired of traditional media. You know, we are. When was the last time you saw somebody under the age of, let's say, 25, look through an actual newspaper? And if they did look through a newspaper, when did they stop at the ad? You know, when when was the last time you watched TV, watch regular TV with ads that's not HBO, Netflix, um, and then actually watch the ads unless it's the Super Bowl? So I think we're just we're not nobody's paying attention to to, to traditional advertising. So it's kind of a waste of money. Um, the really only place, and that's why Fontas is spending money on Facebook, is because people are paying attention on Facebook. And the best way to run ads on Facebook is make it seem very organic and real so that when people scroll by, it, they actually think it's interesting and like basically hyper-targeted so that it makes sense to them and make the post itself not seem salesy, not like, hey, $50 off only today because – Eh, you know, you don't want to see that. But if it really grabs your attention and it seems like, oh, this is cool, this is something I could use, they'll click it, click it, and check it out. Um, so, why are they turning towards celebrities? I think it's because that's the one place where there's still some trust. And I would say that's something that will change over the next five to ten years too, um, depending on how people, tr- you know, treat the field. Because nowadays, more and more things are getting becoming sponsored. So. It, it really, I think some people will lose the credibility while others, while others will keep it. So just to use it, like I said, as a personal example, myself, I have something like 45,000 followers on Instagram and I do get offers regularly to like, hey, I'll, I'll pay $100 if you promote my product. But I always, I 90% of the time, I really turn it down just because I would only pr- promote something that I actually be, believe in, that I've actually used and that I think would be of use to my um, followers, you know? So unless you stick to those kind of like criteria, you'll quick, like, yes, you can make a quick buck as an influencer, but you'll quickly lose that trust, which is kind of like oh, the lo- yeah. the only reason why um, millennials are kind of like looking for um, these influencers and celebrities. I mean, of course, it's also aspirational in the sense that, hey, if um because nowadays it's not even oh because leonardo dicaprio wears this watch i'm gonna wear it it's like because joe Schmo from arkansas with two hundred thousand followers on instagram wears this watch i'm gonna wear this watch too you know it's a really different game nowadays um but i would really say is that these influencers have kind of become like a, the voices of our generation and they've simply gained a lot of our trust and because of that they are able to make these recommendations uh, more effectively uh, than an ad would. You know, and that's that's the only reason why I ever uh, accepted Manny's offer to uh, promote or to have an ad in in my show for him. It wasn't it wasn't anything to do with you know trying to trying to make money or anything like that. Really, I've turned down more sponsorship offers than I've actually accepted 
I mean, I've been doing my show since 2014, and mm -hmm. this is only the third time I've ever had a sponsor in a show, and it's only because I use this. I actually go to his course. So yeah. if, if it and wasn't I mean, for that fact, will probably be like, look, oh, this is interesting. I'll check it out. And some, a lot of them, will, if they check it out, they'll probably get value out of it. But if you would run, let's say, diet pill ads, yeah. they would like roll their eyes and be like, what are you selling us, <laughs> CJ? Yeah, this, this guy don't know what the hell he's talking about. It doesn't look like he's taking a diet pill a day in his life. He doesn't know <laughs> goddamn fuck all. But anyways, that's, uh, you know, I, I really I really like, though, the tenacity of the millennials in when I, when I say that, I say that with all respect because they seem to have a hunger that past generations didn't necessarily have. Uh, you look at like my father's generation, that, that baby boomer generation, their, their mindset was go get a job, work 20 years, retire from your job and just be happy. Then you look at my, my generation. It was like, we're like the, the lazy in between generation. And it, it's, it's true. You get a lot of people that have bounced around from job to job to job. They don't know how to set still. They, they've they got all these creative ideas, but no work ethic to actually go after them. Now, that's not everybody. I don't want to say that, you know, every, all you guys in my generation are lazy, fat pieces of garbage. I'm not saying that. Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. We don't know how to commit. Now, the millennial generation, on the other hand, they go after things with nasty. They see this this um, way of not working for somebody else, creating their own path. And they go after it with such a, a, a passion that it, it's very inspiring to see. And that's what, what kind of attracted me to you when I, when I first started talking to you is the fact that you had that fire and that tenacity. And I thought, well, this is one of the best part people I could have on the show to inspire my audience. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and I'm, it's tough because I think a lot of these um, things could be said about all the generations. Now, because I mean, I grew up with millennials. Um, like my friends are millennials, and I've I've seen good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and what I would say is that, on on a more general perspective, you're absolutely like hitting the nail on the head when you said that you know your father's generation was more like, um, you know. I do my job for 20 years. Like you know, it's this structure. It's almost a generation with that has a better sense of obedience. And I think we could almost anybody could agree is that millennials are more of a rebellious generation in the sense that we want to fight the status quo that, you know, because social media is giving us such a strong voice. Um, we almost grew up in, in, you know, in a new society where we can say what we think we have an outlet to say what we think. And we, we have like a sounding place where people can chime in their opinions and we simply speak our minds more freely and more often now the the turn side of that is it's and it's great um but what it needs to come with is also the determination you know um yes we could all be entrepreneurs we could all uh, be the ceos of our own companies but um it still takes um you know hard work it's not not just be and I think this is this is the next point where some older generations get the idea of entitlement from when it comes to millennials, you know, so we're rebellious. Um, but and a lot of uh, there's there's a great chunk of us that are doing awesome things, you know, that that are doing un, unthought of things from generations ago, you know, that others would think that's impossible to do at this age. And then there's others who think, um, you know, that's where the entitlement comes from. Um I, I deserve to run my own company or I deserve to get all these benefits. Um, but I mean, the, 
honestly, what I always tell people is, you know, it's at the end of the day, the result is your own life. So, um, you know, I, yes, you, you, you can, you could fight about, it, you can make, make some small wins here and there, but at the end of the day, um, the real winner, uh, like if is only you, you know? So if let's say folks, um, what I'm, what I'm trying to say with that is if you're not willing to put in, put in the work, um, you might win an argument of why the world's unfair, but at the end of the day, you're still not doing well, you know? Yeah. So it really it comes down to the actual determination, the hard work. I would definitely say so. Well, we are right at the end of the show, and I want to give you an opportunity to share with everybody how to get a hold of you so they can they can get one of your Instagram followers. I know I'm going to go. I wrote it down. Felix underscore Hartman, right? There you go. Yeah. All right. Two ends at the end. Yeah, I'm going to go I over there and, and uh, follow you as soon as we're finished with this. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. I, I love that following that you built up. But tell us how we can get a hold of you. Guys. Yeah. Um, so aside from uh, Instagram, I'm also on Twitter. Um, just tweet at me. Um, don't DM me because unfortunately the bots took over. So I'm. It's my DMs are just blowing up all the time. Uh, Felix O Hartman at Felix O Hartman is my Twitter. And then on Facebook, um, I mean, if you want to work with me on Funthus, you know, Funthus.com. We've got the straight name.com domain. Um, yeah, just I mean, go through those channels, Instagram. You could actually DM me. I respond for all DMs. I've also got the little contact button on there where you can send me an email, um, and that should really cover it all. Yeah. All right. And, you know, you can also find all this information over on ripkamedia.com. I am going to put links to all of his, his social media and his his website. Go check it out. I'm telling you, this guy is literally lighting this world up. You're going to see a whole lot going on from Felix and Anthony. Um, you know, one of these days I'll even, hopefully I can get Anthony on to tell his part of the story. And that would, that would be a really good, you know, way to wrap up this whole, uh, funthis.com type of, uh, show. Cause I really want to get the full story. I, you know, I got, I got your story. Now I need to get Anthony's story. So put some pressure on him, get him on the show. I really want to have him on. He's got an awesome story as well. He's also um, he's still only 29 years old and he's, he sold a couple multi-million dollar companies. So he's, he's a great guy as well. You know, definitely a mentor of mine as well. All right. Well, thank you very much, Felix, for coming on the show. And if you like this show, do me a favor. I need you to send me an email, give me a private message, post in comments, how much you love this show. And I've got a special, uh, special gift that I'm going to be sending out here at the end of the month. If you want to know what that is, you're going to have to tune in to the next show coming up on Monday at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific. Until then, you know what's coming up. Keep it raw and keep it real. This episode of Raw and Real has been produced by Saloon 7 Productions and, of course, sponsored by the 1000 Speakers Academy.